When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Matt and Kevin, and welcome to the Believe in Overwatch League podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Please like, rate, and subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can also find us on all social media at Believe in OWL, that's B-L-E-A-V in OWL, and Believe.com. This week, I go over my tips and tricks for how to shoutcast for Overwatch. Alright. Well, hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 16, which is also coming out the week of episode 15. Um, Differentiating because they're completely different topics. Um, Now we're going to go into... As we promised last week, Kevin's going to give us his tips and tricks and his TED talk on how to be a shoutcaster. Shoutcasting is a really fun thing to do. Uh, you can try it at home. It's not something that you know you have to do in a public setting. Um, it's just that I've I've done it for quite a while, and uh, I actually have a PowerPoint. Um, if you guys want to see it, I guess just request it on the stream. I could easily bring it up over and over again. It's something that I love talking about. So um, I actually gave this presentation at the University of San Francisco um, during the eSports Summit, but I have added a couple things as I find out over the course of time. So um, yeah, this is Kanashi's Guide to ca- uh, Shoutcasting. What's the definition of shoutcasting as opposed so, to like norm- like casting? So broadcasting is pretty much all about um it's mainly associated with like sports and just all of that so shoutcasting got its got its term because gamers used to like yell over the original audio of the game so people would just get really really loud over the game compared to sportscasters who just usually keep a solid like line Mm -hmm. um but you know we've slowly changed the way how we we cast you could either be loud or or not um i have a whole slide on that piece so we'll get around to it so who am i i'm i'm kanashi uh (laughs) i've done color and color commentary and analysis for the most part um i have moved into play-by-play in recent times just because it's a lot easier um if i'm helping out another commentator with play-by-play um I play way too many games and I'm proud of it. I love playing Overwatch and a whole bunch of other esports video games. And then uh, usually I'm very scared to do public com- like uh, public speaking in general. So uh, sorry if I stutter or stumble over anything. Um, if you guys ever see this, 
on the stream. It's got a lot of anime pictures too, which just makes it easier for me to figure out what I'm saying. My initial road to casting actually started with Team Fortress and Dota 2. So those were like the first really big esports that got me into this whole concept. Um, Team Fortress being, you know, the cartoony shooter. Um, and then Dota 2 being the bigger MOBA esport that's like Valve's flagship. Later on, I went on to Twitch streaming Yu-Gi-Oh, believe it or not, the card game Yu-Gi-Oh. Um, and that just kind of got me in front of a camera talking about the game, talking about what I love, and gave me a little bit more confidence when it came to public speaking. Um, then I had a sports ca- uh, class, sports commentary class with Joe Fonzi from KTVU News. Um, and he's one of the big like regular sports commentators down in the Bay Area. Um, shout out to Fonzie if he's listening to this. Um, at first, honestly, he doubted me when I said I wanted to do I want to do esports commentary, and he's like, "What the hell is that?" <laughs> and um, it wasn't until I showed him like a clip from Dota Two that he's like, "This is some serious like thing that's coming down the pipeline." And it was kind of his push, him seeing that this is actually a future plan that it actually got picked up later um, by Art U. So the Academy of Art University picked it up. Um, and it became RU Esports. Uh, we kind of had our own esports facility, and then eventually it became an esports production class, which we do ho- we do have at the Academy of Art. If you're ever interested in taking it, come on down. Uh, we don't bite, and it does give you a lot to look at. Um, we focus on both streaming and the way how esports production is ran, from like the production side all the way to like. Um, how to organize the tournament and so on and so forth. And we do it for a whole bunch of different games too. So this is going to be kind of a br- umbrella thing, but I can cater it a lot more towards Overwatch. For the most part, people ask me since I'm when I'm in person, they're like what gives you what what qualifies you to stand up here and give you the give you this TED talk. I've casted for the Academy of Art, uh collegiate scene. I've done Fanime convention at San Jose. I've done broadcast.gg uh, pickup game nights, which is also a really good resource. Um, it's just a bunch of people who do broadcasting for esports, and they all just get together and play games, and then you comment over their games. I did a booth at esport management at DreamHack Atlanta, um, where you just, I was there for eight hours straight commenting 1v1s in order to just bring people in and interested into Overwatch. Um, eight hours straight eight eight hours straight for three days in a row oh my god i was essentially a casting booth babe uh but i wasn't hot um (laughs) (laughs) um but that's that's all it was it was a really great experience too um we did the razor store in san francisco um they host tournaments there every once in a while and we would just catch a stream and let it happen um, and then I've also done Overwatch Open Division uh, for North America. Um, I did it for one season. I think it was season three. And then uh, I, I kind of took a break to go and take the RU class and continue on. So there's a lot more opportunities out there and hopefully there will be. This is more of a visual gag, but the difference between sports commentary and esports commentary, the sports commentary focuses on comments on the professional players there's a variety of different sports they all sit behind a desk and talk about the games that they love um it's on tv and live streaming on the internet and they're backed by corporations and sponsorships so for the most part it's just like a big thing um 
that most people take into account. Okay, it's just sports commentary. It's pretty basic. The only difference is the letter E. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's it. Uh, Esports is just the fact that the medium is different. It doesn't make it any different from regular sports commentary. You could carry the same ideas over. Tonight, today, whenever you're listening to it, um, we're going to be focusing on Overwatch. I actually have this as an umbrella kind of thing for um, all esports in general. Um, but for the most part, tonight, we're just going to be focusing on Overwatch. So um, there's four main roles that need to be filled um, on most broadcasts. So you have the host. So he's the one who controls the pace and tempo of the broadcast, usually through asking questions about the game, knowing what to ask, ushering in and out of breaks, and sometimes conducting interviews. So the the big the big one from Overwatch League is Pocket and Golden Boy. Like those guys are the host. They they ask the right questions. They make the analysts look smart, uh, and then they control the tempo of the entire broadcast. The analysts, which are the people who just sit on the desk, they discuss the match that's going to take place or is about to take place. Um, Player performance, what's at stake for the team, like playoffs and all that stuff. Um, And they build a storyline. So their whole job is to do all of that while the game is not being played. So literally during halftimes, during breaks, all that stuff, usually it's carried by the analyst. This is where Jake would be. Um, he falls under the category of ex-professionals or other people who are studying about the game and are really passionate. Moving on, these are the people who usually get the credit for the highlights and stuff. We have the color commentator, which is a caster that takes a l- more in-depth look at the gameplay. Um, they mainly follow the strategy and thinking behind the play rather than what's going on at any given time. This is like um, this is like Monte Cristo um, and most of the time they have they can either alternate in the overwatch league but this i know i know monty's like just straight up color commentator the opposite side of that is the play-by-play it's a person who just only calls the action that's taking on screen they bring excitement to the game and guide the viewer's attention through the fight which you know usually is a hard thing especially during the barrier meta when you just see lights and shields all over the place yeah, the best example of this is uh, Mr. X. Um, some events will require you to take multiple roles. Um, I've worn every hat simultaneously before. Um, it is really difficult, but it is doable. Um, you can what is solo this image pass. I'm seeing? It, it is a guy hitting an Xbox controller, two Wiimotes, and a PS4 controller all at the same time. <laughs> this guy's insane. Um, but yeah, you, you will have to take multiple roles on occasion. Um, now this is this is the easy part. Um, preparation. When you're going into a cast, you want to be prepared. There's a lot of things that you could easily mess up. I usually write all of these down on a note card and keep it on the desk. And the information that I keep on that note card is the name of the event, uh, the game that you're playing. Hopefully, you know what game you're playing. <laughs> Your co-caster or reporters, anybody else who you might need to know their name. Um, Ideally, you would like to know all of the teams and their rosters, but sometimes you won't have that. Sometimes you'll just go into a tournament and it's just like open to anyone and you'll just have to learn the names on the fly, um, which is typical of like collegiate scenes and anything else. But usually for like tier two and tier three, they'll start giving you like legit rosters. Um, 
what the tournament format is if you're doing like a school tournament like is it single elimination is it round robin double elimination like who falls where and then the last piece is the upcoming events and sponsors that um some people might want you to push like let's say if the school is having another tournament later down the line you have to broadcast that you have to thank all the sponsors um and that's different depending on which cast you're going for and who's helping out on the event you know uh, matt feel free to hop in if you have any questions <laughs> yeah no i mean this stuff is like this must all make sense for now for now okay good for now um, i can follow <laughs> moving on wardrobe uh this is more of a visual thing as well um i personally lost like 50 pounds over the course oh, of my damn. career so um i've also evolved my clothes so i used to just go in and just wear like you know a casual overwatch t-shirt and then i started adding the sports coat um honestly if you just wear an overwatch t-shirt and a sports coat you're gonna look way better than anybody else uh in the room unless if it's me um (laughs) (laughs) i'm not gonna not gonna lie about that like um you just wear like an overwatch t-shirt and the sports coat over it you're you're looking better than like 90 percent of all other casters i go above and beyond i found bow ties from etsy um, that are Overwatch themed, and I buy enamel pins to go on my sports coat as well. So I slowly evolve my wardrobe over the course of the year. Um, I I go for bow ties. It's a personal thing, personal flair of mine. So I have an Overwatch bow tie here, and then recently I got this um, Diva bow tie. So Ooh. Diva um, Diva themed. I wear a pink shirt and just add more and more to it it's slowly evolving but you do you you want to do something that makes you unique um if you can uh this is the next tip know your co-caster sometimes you won't know them sometimes you will um but yeah um things to pick up on are like how long their sentences are um some of the rhythm like quirks and specific like vocabulary they use it's really funny like i can tell um the difference between if a person's really comfortable at the game or not um and like for example like if i've casted with v flight before and you know he like he'll think of something and then he'll like pause halfway through and then he'll figure it out (laughs) later down the line um that's why i have him as a color commentator because like he could organize his thoughts really quickly and then i can just rattle off everything else in the middle if you have time, play a game with your casters. You get to figure out how they are as a person. Uh, you could roast them on on the actual cast, um, which is the great part. You could be like, "Hey, so how are those rank games going? I'm I'm glad that you're not pinning me off the map this time, or <laughs> stuff like that." Just having fun, little like banter in between. It's kind of like having like Shaq and Charles Barkley on mm-hmm. on the whole uh, desk. You know, they still go at each other. Um, and it just adds a little bit of a uniqueness to the whole cast um feel free to be yourself obviously authenticity really does shine they could tell if you're fake um and you don't want that to be a thing um and then last but not least get comfortable um when uh i used to cast these like when i used to do them online honestly like i would just be wearing pajama pants and just like a a really nice shirt and this the sports coat like nobody's gonna see your lower half 
You can go in and you can go in with like pajama pants. You can go in with shorts. You can wear whatever abomination on the bottom half. As long as <laughs> it. Um, but yeah, just be comfortable. Um, it's it takes a little bit of time to realize that you don't have to dress up a hundred percent. The only time that that doesn't fly is if you're doing interviews. Um, mm-hmm. No one will be able to understand or even take you seriously if you have uh, Daisy Dukes on and you're conducting an interview. It just doesn't work. Uh, yeah. From experience. What's the most awkward uh, experience you've had with a co-caster? Oh, lots. Um, I have with co-casters. It it gets a little bit difficult. Um, I'm gonna go over later on some of like these tips and tricks to get more comfortable with people. But there's some people who will just like not know what they want to say, and then they'll just like hop in in the middle of the cast, and they'll just be like, <laughs> "Uh." And this is happening, and I'm like, yes, it is. <laughs> like, so they're um, like just speaking, just to speak. Yeah, speaking just to speak, and there's like a specific rhythm to it, um, which I will I will outline pretty soon. Um, but that's just due to inexperience. You just give them tips like later down the line, and they'll they'll eventually pick up on it and get a lot more comfortable. It really does come down to practice. So here's the fun part. These are all like things to get more fluid um, with your cast. Usually people who start off um, just try to throw themselves in there. Um, But when you have a co-caster, these are things to keep in mind. Um, Things called handoffs and pickups. Um, These are essentially the bread and butter of casters. Um, Matt and I do this and he probably doesn't even know it. It's when you tail off, when you hand off, you're preparing the co-caster or the other person. This is achieved by tailing off your sentence. So, for example, I will just be like, and that's about it. Or I will like purposely drop off the end of the sentence so that it inclines the other person who's listening to it to want to pick it up. Um, and picking up is essentially the opposite of handing it off. It's just recognizing that, hey, I've I've finished my thought. And then you just go and pick up whatever whatever else I was prepping for you, um, which is a lot of fun. Um, once you figure out these like little quirks, um, any cast can become a lot more fluid. So yeah, this could also be achieved by like just going completely silent and then forcing the other person to talk. <laughs> it happens. I mean, we do, we do that too. Like, <laughs> yeah, we, we do that before the, uh, before the edits before the edits yeah we'll just like be dead quiet and we're like okay yeah we're done <laughs> like and it works it works um a part of the human brain wants to fill in the fact that there's nothing going on so yep so that's handoff and pickups there's a hybrid of this called the alley-oop which you know is based off of a basketball term um an alley-oop is where the color commentator is finishing up a thought um for example like you might say they're going to be approaching this next fight. They have coalescence and graviton surge to start it off, but the other team might have transcendence uh, built up before this. And speaking of which, here's the graviton surge. And so the color commentator will say the graviton surge is out to initially start it. Um, That way the play-by-play person can just go call everything after the graviton surge. Um, It just makes it a lot easier for them to know where to start. Um, and that way they don't cut off your sentence if you're going into like a really important thought saying like, you know, what ultimates do they have? What positioning are they taking? Um, the color co- or the play by play commentator won't accidentally cut you off. 
and it's it's a good way to kind of usher it the other one is kind of the opposite it's called piggybacking um this is when a color commentator can slowly interject uh to bring attention to a reactionary play um this is very conditional um but you'll sometimes hear um color commentators like not be able to contain their excitement in a way (laughs) so like um for example if they started off with an earth shatter and they were they were swinging away and then they decided you know what we can't quite finish off this fight we have to commit the graviton surge um but it gets deflected like right so the um the person will say like and the graviton surge comes out but then the color commentator would be like but the deflect like and it brings another layer to the cast it's just like um it just drags the attention and just brings it brings it to the play-by-play commentator just so that they can point it out to them it makes it a lot Something more of a spontaneous thing yeah it's more of a spontaneous knee-jerk reaction but it does help focus the play-by-play um if they don't know what to call or if there's too many things going on on screen at at the specific time okay uh moving on into the next one um vocabulary Uh, this is it's something that you just have to pick up um you have to get used to your words um each game will have a set of words or phrases that have a specific meaning you can pick this up by either playing the game a lot and listening to others or listening to other commentators and taking notes on certain terms for example like c9 if somebody just came in and was like what is a c9 right um it's five more than c4 exactly it's it's slightly more no um but like in terms of overwatch a c9 means to forget to capture the objective or the neglectfulness of you know capturing the objective or the reason why the san francisco shock lost to the atlanta rain um that was a sad game (laughs) it's called a c9 for a reason um so some terms can carry across games like crits, headshots, and other things like flanks. Um, you just pick up on these terms and just make sure that you know it. This also applies specifically to Overwatch to abilities. Um, for example, um, most people have words for Sigma, like rock or absorb Um but the official terms for those are accretion for the rock and absorption for the uh, for the E and then gravitic flux. Um, so it's just like knowing those words and what the proper words are for calling those. Um, it can be really easy to just call things like um, Reaper ult, like die, die, die uh, instead of like death blossom um, aimbot for tactical visor for soldier Um but you just have to figure out what the right terms are in that time. Um, it does get a little bit hectic, um, not going to lie, but just honestly, just learn the meta and then just focus on like eight heroes and you should be okay. <laughs> uh, moving on, this this is something specifically for the color or for the play-by-play commentator, my bad. Escalation. Um, it's the term you, that I use to describe hype. Um, the difference is... Uh, you have to think about it as like shifting gears in a car. You want to start on a lower level and then slowly build up. Um, you don't want to start like going at a hundred percent all the time and be hyped, and then like something else happens like later on, and then you have to go even higher than that. Uh, <laughs> but you want to start. There's nowhere at, to go. Yeah, there's nowhere to go. You just hit the ceiling. So you want to start at a very basic, like low level, 
um, be like, okay, and they're going to start with the Graviton Surge. Here comes the Dragon Blade on top, Nano on top of that, but the Transcendence is there and just slowly build up and over and over. Um, there's a difference between that. Uh, uh, there's a difference between pitch and volume. Volume is just raising how loud your voice is versus the pitch is what... Um, that's what you want to focus on is adding another... I guess going up like higher in notes uh, with your voice rather than going louder with sound. Um, And that's what helps with escalation. I feel like someone who does this really well for me, at least that I've noticed is Achilles. Whenever I see him, like I really enjoy watching him cast because he'll start off like at a normal voice. And then when something big happens, like you can, you can feel the excitement in his voice and it's like, what is going on? Like you, you pay attention. Like if I, if I'm doing work while I'm, I'm watching, um a cast and it's like it's on in the background as soon as i hear achilles start to his his pitch and his volume start to change that's when i pay attention even more exactly like it's those moments that like define a game right and it also signals to the people who once again like if you're not watching the game specifically once you start hearing the escalation go up you want to you get absorbed you're just like things are happening and that's what you want to get across, especially if you're a play-by-play commentator. Um, we we have prime examples of, uh, at least from the art you cast, of people who don't know how to escalate, and it's just like <laughs> hitting one note throughout the entire game. You're just like, wow, there's a shatter. Three are down. <laughs> oh, no. That's a big play. And you're just like, yes. <laughs> okay, cool. Um <laughs> But yeah, you want to. At that point, it's like, are you even passionate about the game, or are you just doing it just to do it? Yeah, you you gotta learn how to just step it up an extra notch. Like even if it's just like slightly, like even if you only have two modes, you have either like really really like laid back or like really excited. Just know that like when to switch them on. Um, it it's the complete opposite. You can have somebody who's like always excited, and then you're like, where do you go from here? (laughs) Like. You can't go any higher than where you're at, um, which is pretty tough when you're done downing three Red Bulls at the very beginning of the. Oh no! <laughs> so oh, yeah, that's take, not good. Take take your time with the energy drinks. Uh, spread it out. Um, but yeah, I the, think the heart palpitations on that dude. You're gonna die from a heart attack before you finish the cast. So yeah, if you're gonna have an energy drink, make sure to. Sp- spread it out throughout the entire day uh it makes it a lot easier for you um but yeah the most important thing that i can hammer here is story um the entire point of the commentary is to bring a story to the entire um to the entire cast some people will not understand why this game is important and the audience does rely on you to guide them through the match so for example, like new people or even me as a as another commentator, like being able to understand what the gravity of this play is um, is important. For example, like if you go back to season two finals um, between the Shock and the Vancouver Titans, like you have that whole backstory of the Titans won last uh, last time. Um and they did it in pretty dominant fashion. So now you have the underdog tale of the San Francisco Shock. Now you have their whole build up. They went the golden stage. And you have all of that kind of building up to this. And 
you want to bring that to every cast and that's why it's important um to know kind of the history before going into the actual game um so yeah if you don't have this you could also build it up over the course of the tournament itself um some people will like start beefing with each other but sometimes you get to read the match chat and it's really funny um because some people be like hey if you lose like um like this could even also be brought outside of the game too so for example there's two players who are dating who are from the overwatch team if they're both on separate teams you could say like okay yeah somebody's not getting dinner tonight (laughs) like some gonna be doing the dishes uh you could just bring little flares of like that into the cast and it just adds a little Mm -hmm. bit more if you're a host or analyst um take notes during the match this is something that took me a little bit of time that i totally forgot to do um prior but once i saw other analysts taking notes you really do get a lot more in um the reason why you do that is if you're a host or an analyst, they're not looking at you and you don't have to say anything important during the cast because that's all the play-by-play and color commentator anyways. Um, so you could take notes. You could be like, okay, yeah, they had a great play at three minutes in on Ilios, um, on Ilios University, like this specific play by this player. And then you could bring it up later when you have to go back to the desk and you tell your host like, hey, ask me about this play. Um, and they'll be like, later on they'll be like so what did you think of waddle hop's ability here um and you just say like yeah he just had a great play he had a they he realized that there were cooldowns down just got a four-man flux decided to use it and really did pay off for the for that team so you just take notes of specific highlights plays and things that slowly add over the course of the over the course of the stream um you don't have to take like stupidly extensive notes. You could actually just like write down one sentence if you see something insane. Um, and it really just does make it a lot easier for interviewers and to sound intelligent on the desk. Uh, you can have moments where you're just like blanking out and you don't want to have those moments when you're on the desk. Okay, this is kind of the craziest part here. Um, so this is for more of the people who are going to be in-game. This is the play-by-play and color commentator thing um this is what i call the game flow or the breakdown um every single game will follow this format one way or another so there's the beginning or intro so usually like the start of the game for us it's like before the gates even open um the setup which is like before the fight breaks out then the actual fight itself and then the post uh post part of that so either the reset or what i call the breakdown and then at the very end of the whole entire match, you have the results. So the result is pretty much, you know, what happened. Um, the only difference if you're doing different esports is the pacing, um, which we'll get into a little bit later. Um, but here we go. We'll start at the very beginning. This is before the match starts. This is, you know, attack commences in 30 seconds like this during this time. Uh, the commentators can talk about the map picks. So you know, some teams, a lot of Korean teams like to pick Eichenwald because it's a comfort pick. Um, and so if you see it in the map pool, you can be like, okay, so the Vancouver Titans decided to pick Eichenwald over uh, Hollywood because this is something that they've played on before. This is something that they're comfortable with. 
And so that's the map pick. Um, rosters, you can talk about, you know, Hawksall has been insane recently, but so is Sinatra um, and all these, just the players in general. You could talk about if you wanted to go back to the, what is it, stage one Atlanta Reign um, and the San Francisco Shock, if they ever did get that matchup, you could have said like, you know, you have the two selfless DPS who were on one of the best NA teams going head to head this time rather than being on the same team. Um, you have the stakes. The stakes are essentially like what what are they playing for? Is this for playoff contention? Is this just for fun? Is this to improve their map record? Um, you talk about all of that. Um, the composition, uh, usually for the most part, like we have a certain meta. Um, or it's like, okay, wow, double shield, wow. Um, or sometimes they'll be like, oh, wait, there's an ash here. That's kind of weird. Um, you could talk about that. Or I feel like in the newest patch, we're going to have a lot more composition switches, which will make this a lot more viable to talk about. Um, like some teams will prefer dive. Some teams will go Rhinzaria. Some teams will still do the bunker comp with Bastion. You never know. Um the meta itself, you could talk about like, okay, yeah, shields are dying. We don't have to talk about double shield anymore. Are you happy or sad about that? Um, and then after that, uh, history or beef. So essentially player history, you could say like, this guy's won before, this guy's lost before. Like these guys used to play on the same team. Does it help? Um, and so on and so on. But you do want to bring history and background to why this match is kind of fun. People love rivalries or like friendships and everything. Engagement, I guess. It adds to the story itself. I mean, I feel like one of the best ideas of history or brief is from Dota 2, actually. Um, if you ever watch the documentary for the International 8, um, one of the teams that made it to the finals had their roster completely torn apart by another organization. Um, so out of the five players, two of them got recruited. And because of that, they couldn't make the they had to climb through like an open slot and they made it all the way there. They were supposed to be knocked out early and they weren't supposed to be a great team, but they made history. They essentially won the whole thing and it made the games between them even more intense and more fun. So got to keep that in mind. And then new stuff coming up around the corner, you know, like patch notes, Um with this upcoming patch note in the winter event, we're going to be having a lot less double shields. We might be seeing other things come up the pipeline. We don't know yet, but uh, patches do shift things around. And then last but not least, events. So um, do you have other events happening at the school? How about in general? How about like holidays, like the winter event or the summer games? Like you could talk about all of that stuff. Um, one of the things that we talked about on the recent one was potential like what skins we would like to see in the winter wonderland event um i want snow globe hammond uh i still thought that was pretty cool so okay so this is the first step that loops so the setup um the setup is pretty much where the color commentator should focus on like what the position is like where are they going are they going to high ground are they taking the back route are they going through a hotel um all that stuff. Um, the composition and matchup. If you didn't talk about it in the pregame, you could talk about it when they start rolling out. And then most importantly, the win condition. Um, what are What is one team doing and what is the other team trying to prevent them from doing? Um, and how are they going to go about it? So, for example, during like the dive era, 
um the you would win the fight first and then cap the point so that was the win condition it was to get them off the point and then win it um during the goats era it was to get on the point and sit on the point and don't move uh, and then meanwhile um for a double shield it was make sure you just stay behind shield and if it breaks then you just move around just rotate around just knowing positioning so that's all that the color commentator should be focusing on um the play-by-play commentator should be focusing on the initiation so there's always one specific move that will start a fight or a certain pickoff that starts a fight so just keep your eyes open for that if you're the play-by-play commentator for the most part you just sit there and uh be quiet <laughs> you could also look for big abilities once again like initiators most likely in this meta it's like coalescence when coalescence goes off you know that they're going to be pushing in and last but not least englishing this is <laughs> language Englishing. it's uh sometimes you forget how words work and (laughs) it happens a lot more often than you'd think you'd be like man i have a really excellent call that i want to pull out and then the fight will start and you're just like oh what is this (laughs) like um so just run in your head like okay who would start the fight and what abilities would it be yeah next part is the actual fight itself um abilities are going off and people are dying so what do you call (laughs) The play-by-play commentator should focus on calling the right ultimates and abilities. Now, the piece after this will go over this in more detail, but there are specific things that you want to call before, and it really does. It is really determined by the meta. Um, who's died? Who has died or is dying? Um, in terms of like, if there was a specific pickoff, for example, like if a healer's picked off, that means that they have less healing, um, or it now becomes single target. Um, and then, most importantly, what's going on? What What is happening on screen that is making this entertaining? Um, the color commentator should be focusing on, once again, the win condition. Who is winning? Uh, there's a specific thing, um, which I call the tipping point. It's the point where you know the fight is won. Um, if, you, if you're a color commentator and you know exactly when that point was, it's like, it could either be uh, they shut down a specific ultimate or um, a certain pick happened or a huge play like Hammond rolled through and knocked three off the side of the map or something like that. That was the win. That's That specific point was what won them that fight. Um, so keep your eyes open for that. Um, what ults were and were not used. And then also keeping your mouth shut uh, if you're the color commentator <laughs> this time. Uh, you don't need to say anything unless if it's too piggyback and you have to get play by play. You have to get the other commentators like permission to be like, Hey, if I see something, I might call it. And they'll be like, Oh, okay. Sometimes they'll just be like, no, 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 I got it. Like it'll be fine. Just save it for after. Um, there's some, so in essence right now you're play by playing and I'm color commenting. Essentially. That's just how, how it kind of goes down here. Um, it makes it a lot easier to figure out um, once you start getting into the actual calls. Um, this is when like vocabulary comes into play too. You don't you don't want to accidentally call the wrong thing, um, and it should be almost second nature to you. Um, but that's the fight. So things are going off and people are dying, um, and that's it. But before I get off of that, there's the ability hierarchy. Now this is. It's not trademarked, uh, but yeah, I mean, 
I, sh- I should probably trademark it first. Uh, but um, essentially, in every style of game, there's things that set up for other scenarios. Um, for Overwatch specifically, it's initiations. Um, so usually it's like crowd control, disables, or stuns, or like getting a pick. Um, the follow-up, so either huge damage abilities or life-saving abilities. So this includes like Dragon Blade, not to initiate, but to like follow up after a grab or a rip tire after a grab is a good example. Um, or life-saving abilities, which would be like Lucio's Beat Drop. Um, it would be Zenyatta's Transcendence. Those fall into this category. And then the category three is literally everything else. It just kind of happens after the fight or during the fight. Um these will be combined for wombo combos. You know, people like to call it that. Um, but essentially, um, these will all change depending on the meta. So there was a Grav Dragon era. You remember, if you didn't have a Zenyatta, you you were erased. <laughs> that was the era. That was Grav Dragon. Okay, so you would call out when the Graviton Surge was there, the Dragon was there, and if Transcendence was there, and then if a uh, Ana Antinade was somewhere to follow up. Um, this meta right now, it's Coalescence and Bongo. So if you see Coalescence go off, right, um, that means that they're going to try to push in or try to win the fight. Um, and then Bongo being um, Supercharger by Orisa. If you see that drop, it means that they want to fight. They want to push this fight. Um, and then during the GOATS era, it was Rally. When when you hear Brig hit Rally, you mean it means that they're going to start the fight. Um so it really does depend on the meta, um, but you'll you'll know which ultimate they will lead with. Um, the post fight. So this is after everything is done, after all the fight is finished. Um, the color commentators should ask themselves the following questions: What took place last fight to cause one team to lose or win? So what was the tipping point? Um, and yeah, did a supporter DPS get picked? Was there a good ultimate? Um, and why did they lose that? Um, the next thing to, to focus on is what ultimates do they have coming into the next fight? Do they have coalescence? Do they have bongo? Do they have, um, do they have earth shatter? Like just talk about the ultimates that they have coming up. So you could also talk about how much the winning team expended too, because sometimes they commit too much and you're like, okay, well they use four ults that fight to win the point but now they have nothing for the recontest um so keep all that in mind um and then if you were in that position what would the call be as a color commentator you should know kind of like what would you say like in this position like let's say your entire team blew every ult uh and you got nothing out of it what do you do do you like do you keep running the same comp do you switch it up do you do something weird um and as a color commentator, you can have input on that. Um, and then just remind the audience like what's at stake, uh, what's the next objective, how much time there is. Usually that's another thing that you could just say like, okay, they have two minutes. They have like maybe two or three fights left in them. Um, they could probably build ult before they have to really start contesting and all so on and so forth. Um, and then just get ready for the next one. So essentially that pre-fight um, the fight itself and then the post fight will loop throughout the entire cast um, depending on how many fights are going on depending on the map and how long it takes so those three will constantly loop um, 
So after the match is completely finished, um, you have the results. Commentators will throw it back to the analysts, and then the analysts on the desks will focus on, you know, what happened, standout players or moments. So, you know, the whole Sinatra, Doomfist, Meteor Strike, after Smurf got like a four-man pull into it, that's a standout player moment. Um, what was at stake? Those his playoffs was this elimination, um, so on and so forth. And then what's the next matchup? What are we there to expect next? Like, um, did was this the, if this was the final match to say like what do we have coming up down the pipeline, um, and so on and so forth. The hosts may conduct an interview during the time with the winners. Uh, sometimes force them to give a very awkward hug. I'm looking at you, Danny. God um, dang it, Danny Lim. <laughs> Yeah, just uh, yeah. Every just, time, oh, like, every every time, uh, it yeah, never just... looks good. <laughs> well, we can keep roasting them on that all day. Um, but yeah, just it's just small things. I feel like, like Danny that. just wants a hug. Yeah, in Danny needs. How about how about instead of the player giving him a hug, Danny just hugs him, and then the player throws back to the desk. Like that's just the way. To do it. <laughs> that's just the way to do it. Um. So yeah, you could either take a break at that point. Um. Usually after the results. Um, or sit awkwardly until the producer decides to cut to break. Um, it's happened before on collegiate casts where I'm just like, and that's it. Thanks for the break. And I'll just sit there for like 30 seconds waiting for the guy to, to cut it. <laughs> I'm just like, come on, dude, you told me <laughs> you wanted to cut the break. It, it happens. Um, so Depending on the esport later on, if you want to bridge this out into other things, it does change the pace of it. Um, so, for example, like card games are usually slower, and then FPS and MOBAs are kind of where we're at. It's just um, it's that tempo. Sports games are kind of like the sports. Fighting games are insane. Uh, <laughs> they are at breakneck speeds. It's literally like a millisecond or like a one thirtieth frame can start the fight and. Oh yeah, fighting games are you have to know all that framing and the timing and like positioning. Yeah, so during those it's just very quick. Um but yeah, different games will call for different speeds and you just have to figure all of that out. These last couple slides are just things that are tips and tricks, not necessarily a like how to cast thing. These are just things that I do. Um that could be useful to you. So here we go. Uh, one of them is practice breathing. Um, I actually did this for like a whole two weeks to train my body to do this properly. Um, but a lot of wind instrument players uh, already know what I'm going to talk about. It's the difference between chest breathing and diaphragmatic breathing. So chest breathing is where you inhale and you expand and compress your rib cage. That's where most people just kind of, you know, inhale and exhaling normally comes from the chest. Um, diaphragmatic breathing is where you're essentially expanding and compressing at the base of your abdominals. So you usually inhale through your nose and out through your mouth. It's very uncomfortable at first, but it does increase your lung capacity. Um, and this is important. Uh, there's all, Sadly, you guys can't see it, but it's got a lot of uh, Demon Slayer uh, references here. You really like this anime it's it's a very good anime um <laughs> so chest and diaphragmatic breathing the chest breathing gives you less capacity but it's more comfortable so it's kind of what i'm using right now uh it's just comfortable ways of speaking it's like color 
color commentary and short desk answers usually have it. Um, and it's quick and swift. It's just easier to get that out. Um, diaphragmatic breathing is less comfortable, but gives you way more air, um, which is why play-by-play commentators have the time to really set this up. Um, you essentially build up all the air in your lungs, and then you can just long sustain call. Um, so if a fight, for example, during like the GOATS era plays super slow, you have the lung capacity to do it. Um, it takes a little bit of practice, but once you get it, it is insane. Um, you can't master this in a matter of minutes. It took me honestly two weeks to get my lung capacity to do this um, and to just kind of learn how to move the air into my lungs. See, I, I play saxophone and I mean, I used to play saxophone, but like, I don't even remember how to do this. I don't think I do it consciously. It just kind of happens when you play. So, I mean, do you have to like consciously turn it on and off now or can you just do it? I still have to consciously do it. Um, it's because I don't usually do this. Like I, I don't play wind instruments or I mean, kazoos don't count. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, it's just... uh. It, it took me a little bit of time to realize that I still have more lung capacity than what I've been using for the past year. Um, and yeah, it will become second nature if you learn to just do it with other instruments or practice it all the time. Um, but for the most part, you I have to be consciously thinking about it in order to do it. So just kind of practice this whenever. Um, it's not something that looks weird all the time. So uh, you know, breathing is normal. Uh, you just you're just learning how to move the air to a different spot of your body. Drink water. Uh, hydrating is important. You cannot talk if you cannot if you can't talk. You can't cast. Water is better than Red Bull. I'll tell you that right now. Keep a water bottle with you. Be yourself. Um, that's the next tip. Be unique. People can understand if you're being fake or not authentic with your calls. Um, you want to give your best shot and your best vibe for me personally i like to weave in like anime references into my casts um or even just the way how i talk it just kind of goes into it and into your ted talks powerpoint oh yeah yeah uh it's literally everywhere this this is uh matt gets to see it um this is my personal logo for my stream and my content um it it is of an anime girl with a headset um it's a screaming anime girl yeah it's 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 pretty cool uh and then practice talking to an audience this is the next tip this is actually really um it's more of a psychological thing at this point um you have to learn to talk to either camera or just people in general um you can't get shy or embarrassed about your words you just gotta be confident when you're on screen to do it um so the way how i did it i streamed a lot on twitch and i do it with my cam on um i don't care if you're ugly or i don't i don't care if like you're self-conscious you turn on your camera you have to learn to look at the camera directly in its eye or like into the camera hole whatever you want to call it uh and just realize that there are people on the opposite side of that camera um it will take a little bit of time to get used to but 
once you start learning to talk into the camera, you look a lot better when you're on camera. Um, you could talk to your pets. Be like SpongeBob. I'm ugly and I'm proud. Yeah, I'm ugly and I'm proud. Just you gotta look it dead in the eye and just say it. Um, just be the SpongeBob. <laughs> yep. Uh, the other one is to talk to your pets or siblings. Um, sometimes you could consider them both the same thing. Uh, but uh, I don't want to get roasted. So uh, yeah, just just talk to talk to people. Um, another fun thing to do. This is these next three are just kind of me personally. Uh, I practice tongue twisters. Um, I can say the thing if you've guys ever seen the Full Metal Alchemist blooper reel, the Jugenmu joke. Uh, I can say this entire thing in one breath. It is doable. Um, Do it. Okay. Jugemu Jugemu Gokono Surikiri Kaijari Suigo, Sugo Matsu Una Matsu Funai Matsu Kuneru Tokono Nisumu Tokoro, Yubarako Jiburuko Ji, Bible Bible Bible, no shooting on shooting on no gooding die, gooding die no pompkuni no pompkunano chokimeno choske. So it's just what was that? There's a huge story. Crazy. It's uh. It's it's a long it's like the John Jacob Jingleheimer Schmidt of like <laughs> Japan, um, but yeah, it's being able to get your words out and fluently and crisp. Um, for me, another fun one to do is freestyle rap in the car. Uh, put on a beat. Try to try to get words out of your mouth. Um, if you can somehow rhyme it, it seems a lot cooler. Um, but yeah, just getting, and then the last but not least is just reading out loud. You can pick up a Dr. Seuss book, read it to your siblings. You can read, just try to get words flowing through your mouth and articulate. Another thing that you don't have here is like, you have to get used to the sound of your own voice. Like a lot of people really, really hate the way that their voice sounds when they hear it. Like I used to absolutely hate hearing my voice, but being a, a, a journalist and doing interviews and like also editing this podcast and listening to it, make sure everything sounds okay. Like I've had to get used to the sound of my own voice to the point where like, I I don't hate it anymore just because I'm so familiar with it. Like how for you, how do, do you still hate the sound of your own voice? Kevin, did you ever hate the sound of your own voice or how long did it take you to, to get to a point where you were comfortable hearing it? Yeah, I, I definitely hated the sound of my own voice when I started. Um, I just realized, I think it took me honestly like almost a year to get used to my own voice. Um, it was after we started doing VOD reviews um, or like video on demand reviews of my cast and people would watch it back on the big screen and they're like, wow, you're you're so good at this. I'm like, oh my God, that's my voice. <laughs> I actually sound like that. Um, and you start getting Who used to like, talk in public. Yeah, who let me talk into this? So they should be fired. Um, but yeah, it it helped me get more confident when being on camera. And then it also, you know, you kind of just learn to deal with it. You you figure out how you sound and you're like, okay, yeah, I sound I sound pretty good there. Or wow, I sound congested. I, I don't need to do this anymore. Um mm-hmm. but yeah, you just have to also get used to your own voice. It's finding finding that yourself. Um, it will take practice. Um and it is at first very embarrassing, but once you start getting used to it, you're like, okay, yeah, I, I'm fine. This this is followed. This is actually like really important. Don't say anything until you're a hundred percent certain it's right. 
it's better to have a long pause than say something that's completely wrong. Um, I've had this problem happen before. So like people will be like, oh yeah, what's the next map? And you'll be like, oh, it's Hanamura. And then it's like Temple of Anubis. And you're like, wait a second. <laughs> we just went off on Hanamura when it's easily Temple of Anubis. And uh, yeah, this also goes for like tournament format. Um, is it best of three, best of five? Uh, single elimination are they coming back later um player names this one's kind of iffy um sometimes the players names uh they won't have it like phonetically out for you so sometimes you'll just have to kind of guess it's even worse if you don't know the language that it's written in you have to ask them in person um we've had that happen before and uh damage numbers uh people will call you out on like the amount of damage um a certain thing does so just don't say numbers or just say like this is a one-hit kill that like a widow headshot's a one-hit kill um ash getting damage boost by mercy is a one-hit kill um just think about those numbers rather than like oh it does 185 damage after a direct hit rocket from farah like you just have to it's better to just say does it kill yes no say it kills um or not last one well i don't know if this is the last one uh, another one is that change is okay um for me uh i changed my entire gamer like persona um coming into casting my original gamer tag was my full name and initials and the number 33 which is really oh yeah it's kjht33 okay like nobody's going to be able to rattle that off in a matter of seconds like if you see that you're just like oh yeah that that guy uh, <laughs> kj mm -hmm. like that's literally what my entire team calls me now it's just kj instead of like kanashi because people who play with me after i played on the team know me as kanashi so and it's also easier to say it's way easier to say so yeah that in mind um you can change your personality through your uh your username and it's okay um and then last but not least just practice you're not going to become a pro right off the bat. Nobody is. Um, it's okay to fail like a ton of times. Remember, if you fall down 100 times, you get up 101. Um, and you will always get better over the course of time. Um, I could watch back to my first cast and I was like embarrassed, quiet. Um, I was confident in what I was saying um, in terms of like, you know, the Overwatch scene in general. But I was just quiet conserved for the most part um but once like i got a lot of tips i have to thank um mushu beef specifically from broadcast gg without him i honestly wouldn't have the confidence to be out and about talking about overwatch even on this podcast um i probably wouldn't even be here without uh mushu beef and his whole push to help me get here and find my voice wow so, thank thank you uh I'll, I'll tag him in the the tweet later uh but yeah overall this whole thing was just a great experience um and if you need practice there's a lot of places to do it um so places to get started um you can watch watch your personal games or learn from the pros listen to their commentary um this could either be for us it's overwatch league world cup um 
contenders open division just listen to them um they have very good calls and there's a reason why they're there um join local esports events so i help out as a brand ambassador for the san francisco shock so i'm out there getting absorbed in the game talking with fans and having a whole bunch of fun there um you, if you don't live close to an esports team, there's also people online on social media. So we're online. You can talk to us. Um, you could also talk to um, people who are just involved in the scene in general. Um, find an online community. So shout out once again, broadcast.gg. That's kind of where I started. Um, it's a place where players can all come together. They actually set up scrim nights for... Um, like college teams so that they'll go and play each other and then we'll set up the broadcast so that we can get on it as well and have people get organized and get practice. So yeah, I used to do this like twice a, twice a week uh, when they had scrim nights and then I slowly evolved from there. Um, And once again, just practice. You can just do it whenever you want. You could literally play by play commentate over just daily work and life stuff um like just go sit in the park and just comment on like there's a bird <laughs> it's coming comments on the people who are walking by yeah and you find kind of your own flow and style so um this was actually one of the biggest exercises that my teacher did for us he he said go sit in a restaurant and comment like bring like your iphone or whatever do a recording of your specific waitress or waiter and comment on what they're doing. Um, Like even if you don't see them, like let's say if they go back into the back of the kitchen, right. To grab something, just, just say like, see, they're, they're thinking about their next play. They're going to be, they're going to be arranging the plate. They're probably going back to go grab a dish. That's going to be served to another table. And then once you see them, they're like, there he goes. He's got a tray of three things. He's got a filet mignon. He's got a steak fajita platter over there he's got a couple of tortillas and he's making his way to the table there's a small child running across the aisle like you're i'm painting a picture for you right now and you you see it it's like the the old smell of an applebee's right like you you know what you know what you know what that is um and being able to kind of paint that for somebody um kind of it it adds an extra layer to the experience. So even if people aren't necessarily entranced and watching all the time, you're painting a picture for them um, in terms of the whole cast. So yeah, if there's any questions, I will, I will take the questions now from you, Matt. Is there any, anything for Um, What's something that you still want to improve on? Something that I want to improve on is being more fluid. This is once again, it comes down to repetition and practice, but um i sometimes catch myself getting caught up on abilities like in the middle of a entire team fight like let's say f- final fight six there's 12 ultimates available and everybody's blowing everything um i'll be like uh, like i'll call the shatter i'll call the coalescence i'll call the beat drop and then like in the back line the reapers dropping on them with a 4k death blossom and i'll be like there's reaper with a <laughs> and you're just like what is this called again and there there are outs to that too like if you instead of you saying like the ability you can say the number of kills you could say like oh the reaper in the back line with a 4k completely erases the team and their chances of contesting the point again so just mm-hmm. try to figure out ways to say the same thing but 
slightly different so that it kind of adds an extra level of flavor another thing that's like from overwatch specifics is we have in-game skins right um you can make jokes and puns off of the skins um for example in the recent tournament there was a junk rat player who used the krampus skin so i said you know you know junk rats delivering destruction a little bit earlier than christmas this time of year and you just bring that extra layer to the cast um and it's just about knowing the game and being involved and knowing it what do you think is one of your one of your biggest strengths of casting i feel like the the coolest part of casting honestly is being able to see the organized play um coming out from either collegiate teams or you know open division teams it's a learning experience from both sides like as a caster you get to watch this high level gameplay like things that you personally wouldn't be able to execute or you start picking up on things so like for example all pros have a specific thing like a rollout depending on which hero they have so for example like if you're hammond on lijong tower um there's always a specific way to get to the point first before the other before the other Hammond gets there. Um, and you just have to, like, I wouldn't have known that if I wasn't watching a probe doing it first. Um, and you just pick up on small things like that and you're like, well, I want to do that. Like, I can, like, I can charge from spawn of Anubis point B to get to Anubis point A without having to take a stupid jump. Like, it's it's really easy. Um, once you start seeing the pros start executing things um, that are just quirky in general, and they're the ones who spend the hours to figure it out, and you're just the one commenting like, "I didn't know you could whittle grapple onto the side of Anubis like that," and <laughs> you just put it into your own gameplay. So essentially, it makes you a better player, and it makes you, it gives you something where you don't have to be the greatest player, but you're learning from them. And then at the same time, you're honing your own craft of being able to tell everybody how the game is going. What's something that you wish you knew about casting before you started? Uh, Before I started, I think it would have been how much you really take for granted when you listen to the the casters. Um, Most people think that it's easy to just hop in and it was like, Oh, I can do that. I could talk about the game. Like that's, that's easy. But there's so many like individual quirky things about the casters that you learn only through doing it. Another thing is the number of hours you put into like just studying the game instead of actually playing the game. It makes you way better as a player. Um, And it makes you better as a commentator. So like, uh, for example, like Reinhardt's barrier having 200 HP, but then also learning that that change where you could like look behind you while you still have the shield up, like knowing that is important because they could be facing forward, but they actually have their line of sight looking the opposite direction. So you can bait out certain plays because they think, oh, you're not looking in this direction and so on and so on you just learn about fun game quirks and you can call it and exploit it in your own games how long did it take you to put this thing together this powerpoint yeah Uh, the powerpoint took me two weeks um it was it was actually a homework assignment for the for the art you uh 
esports class. Um, they wanted me to do something because I was really interested in casting. And they're like, everybody should focus on one specific aspect of the stream and do like kind of a rundown of what the what the positions and like the responsibilities of that player is um, of that person. So like somebody out there has one that's all about tournament organizing, like how to get people involved, how to how to like get the Twitter handles and like the best way to really reach out to everybody. Um and then another person's like how to do the production side of it how to you know cut the camera so my whole thing was on how to commentate um and how to bring that specific thing to the cast um so at first it started off as just overwatch but once usf said like hey you're solid at that and they wanted me to bring it to their esports summit i was like i just have to add a couple more things to make it a little bit more generic um, for every esport but the concepts still stay the same so it's a lot of fun that's about it i i hope that you guys enjoyed that little uh ted talk um there is a full powerpoint thing that goes along with this and if you want to you could bother me usually on my stream at Kanashi GG on Twitch. If you say like, hey, uh, I would love to see that shoutcasting PowerPoint. And I'd be like, yeah, sure. I'd, I'd run through it again. There's a lot of uh, anime references and jokes sprinkled throughout the entire just, thing. so much anime in this. It, it helps me calm down and it also... <laughs> reflects who i am you know it's one of the very first things i said you know be unique you want to bring your own flair to it plus it's a lot easier to uh keep the attention of college students when you have a solid amount of memes in your in your powerpoint there was a rick and morty one so i was happy with that yeah the 100 percent certainty one is the <laughs> yep episode with uh you know whether not 100 percent certain so it splits a Swiss the dimensions all right well thank you kevin so much for for giving us this ted talk and thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in this week um yeah we'll 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 catch you next week with more more juicy overwatch yeah we have the whole winter event coming up so we'll see that come into play as well as the new meta shift so keep that Ooh, in mind yeah um you, you can't always be turtling behind your barriers anymore. We gotta work around the lower shields now. Yep. Yeah, thank you for, for joining us, and we'll, we'll see you soon. Have a great week. Yep, see ya. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Like what you hear? Please like, rate, and subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. And follow us on all social media at Believe in OWL. That's B-L-E-A-V in OWL. If you have any comments or questions, feel free to send us an email at Believe in OWL at gmail.com. Interested in advertising with the show? Please contact our network at Believe.com. Thanks for tuning in and see you next week.
When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.